around the world. The Spirit is moving and a voice is being heard. Welcome to The Voice of Evangelism with David Langford. You can write to The Voice of Evangelism at P.O. Box 502, Kayser, North Carolina, 28020. We'll give you that address again at the close of today's broadcast. But here now is David Langford. Hello, friends. Pastor David Langford here this Monday. We'd like to welcome each of you to this edition of the Voice of Evangelism International Ministries. We are grateful, we are thankful, we are blessed that you would allow us to come into your home, your place of business, your automobile, wherever that you might be, and share from the unsearchable riches of Christ, our risen Lord and Savior. Amen. Needless to say, our year is just about gone, and we're about to enter into 2021. And I'm looking for that as we aggregate the numbers there, two, two, and one, the number five representing grace. We're going to need the grace of God to run the race. And if we do so, God will bless us immensely. I I forgot to mention the other week, but uh, on December the 12th, my wife and I celebrated 39 years of marriage. Getting old, getting further over the hill. But uh, I thank God for the many years of divine guidance, divine protection, and unfathomable grace coupled with oceans of mercy. God is a great, great God to his people. As I was in prayer this morning, I was thinking about the hand of God. The theological term is called anthropomorphism. It's giving God human characteristics, such as Psalms 34, 15, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open to their cries. So the psalmist gives God eyes and ears there. Uh, Peter said in 1 Peter 5 and 6, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. So there, Peter gives him hands. And again, the term is anthropomorphism, giving God human characteristics. And I was thinking about the hand of God as I was praying today. How gracious is his hand. In Revelation 21, verse 4, he said, God will wipe away every tear from every eye. The hand of God will reach out. And his mighty, mighty hand will wipe away every tear. And there'll be no more crying. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more sorrow. There'll be no more death. For the former things are passed away. Think of the magnitude, the magnanimous deity of God and his hand able to wipe away every tear from every eye. Psalms 3, verse 3, But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter up of mine head. When I quote that verse, I think about God reaching down to us, and he puts his forefinger under our chin, and he 
lifts up our head because he sees the discouragement, maybe the fear, maybe the anxiety. But David said, thou art the lifter up of mine head. And thank God, he does lift up our heads in the time of distress and in the time of trouble. Amen. Before we get back into our teaching today here in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, I want to play a song by the Taylors, very beautiful, gracious song entitled, The Sweetest Name I Know. Jesus, Jesus, sweet. 
Jesus, the sweetest name I know. Acts 4.12, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Matthew 1.21 says, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, and he shall save his people from their sins. Jesus truly is the Savior of all mankind. If you don't know Jesus today as your Lord, as your Savior, I encourage you to ask him to come into your heart, to come into your life. I encourage you to confess your sins, ask for the forgiveness of sin, that he would redeem you, restore you, and make you absolute whole, W-H-O-L-E. You're not whole without Christ being in your life. As a matter of fact, you have a H-O-L-E, hole in your life, a void of vacuity. You see, the reason we need Jesus is because Elohim breathed into the nostrils of man. Man became a living soul. Eternity, the breath of God, eternal breath, entered into Adam's lungs, into his blood system. That's why I preach so much about the blood. Leviticus 17, 11, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for the soul, for it is the blood that maketh atonement for the soul. That's exactly what Yom Kippur or Yom Kippur, depending how you want to say it. The word Yom, Y-O-M, is day. Kippur is atonement, day of atonement. And what atones for sin? The blood. I humbly admonish you. Don't ever let anybody tell you anything other than the blood of the Lamb cleanses sin. There's no Bible verse that says anything but the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses the soul of man. This is a spiritual cleansing. This is why the blood of the Lamb was a spiritual blood. His blood was without sin. You cannot say that. I cannot say that. I, I, I've often imagined in my pea brain, my 
finite mind, how that when the Holy Ghost touched the egg in Mary's womb, there was a, a, a divine explosion within her body. A glorious and holy thing was conceived. That's why he was without sin. I was reading an article the other day, and I think it was 48% of evangelicals believes that Jesus sinned. Can you imagine how ignorant and stupid that is? You see, the virgin birth negates the entirety of that fallacy. He wasn't conceived of a mortal man. He was conceived by the Holy Ghost. And that's why only his blood can atone for sin. Nothing else. Nothing else. Anybody that tells you anything else atones for sin has taken away from the deity, the majesty, and the power of the blood of the Lamb. It's 26, 27, 28 times in the book of Revelation the word lamb is used. One application is negative, if I remember correctly, and that the false prophet is described as a, a lamb. He's evil. He's evil. But Jesus... Jesus is the true lamb. Revelation 13, 11, And I beheld another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, and he spake as a dragon. That reference to the lamb is a false lamb. That's why we see the lamb mentioned so much in the book of Revelation, because that Sin, that, that sin offering was Christ, and he was the Lamb of God. John 1, 29, when John saw Jesus coming, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. The only thing that can take away sin is the blood of Jesus. And how dare men advocate anything else could atone for sin, then what was the purpose of the shedding of blood? Remember Hebrews 9.22, without shedding of blood, there's no remission for sin. So where do we get forgiveness? Where does man find remission for his sin? In the blood of the Lamb. I, I get so tired of hearing false doctrine. I, 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 got to, I get to where I despise false doctrine because it damns men's souls. It leads them astray. Listen, Satan doesn't care if you have nine-tenths of it, right, and that last one-tenth is corrupt. It's like a chemist. I remember in high school, I was a prankster, gangster, crazy in high school, and we'd pour out salt on the cafeteria tables and set the salt shaker on one cube of salt. You'd pour out the salt, you blow the rest of the salt away, and the, the bottle of salt would be cocked over like the Leaning Tower of Pisa.
It was nothing but more of a trick. My point is, you take that one little miniature cube of salt, you put it in a glass of water and drink it, you'll never taste the salt. Never. You put that one cube of salt in 16 ounces of water, you'll never taste it. But let a chemist analyze it. He'll say, well, you've got salt water. And you would say, I don't believe that. I don't taste the salt. There's not enough in there. But it is salt water now. It's been contaminated. So when men emphasize anything other than the blood of Jesus Christ, they take away from the atonement the price that Christ paid on the cross. Revelation 7, verse 14. Who are these? John asked. These are they which came out of great tribulation and have made their robes white and washed them in the blood of the Lamb. That word washed there and in Revelation 1, 5 means laundered, cleansed, cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. I don't know why the Holy Ghost wanted to go that direction today, but we're going to go the direction the Holy Ghost wants to go. I want to be led by the Spirit of God. I come in here prepared to teach, to minister. But the Holy Ghost, many times, as you well know, will unctionize my heart in a total different direction. Because there's somebody listening who's put their faith in a fallacy. You've put your faith in a mendacity. You've put your faith in heresy. Your faith must never be misplaced. Your faith must be correctly, properly placed in the work that Jesus did on the cross. Anything else is false doctrine. Now, we've been teaching now for many weeks. This is the 21st program today here in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and we're, we're still in verse 3. That's hard to believe that I've gone 21 programs and we're at verse 3. Someone asked me one time, would I write a book on the book of Revelation? It would be an encyclopedia. From my perspective, for me to do justice it would be an encyclopedia, hours upon hours upon hours upon hours. But this is the problem in the church. People are so shallow in the word. They listen to their little sermonettes from these preacherettes being ministered to to the Christianettes. There's just no substance. There's just... No substance. We left off last Tuesday talking about the Antichrist being the son of perdition. Verse 3, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come. What day? The coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together unto him. That day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition, the son of destruction. Now, the Antichrist is described as a little horn. This is how Daniel described the Antichrist. Now, horns in the Bible always represent power. 
in Revelation 12, there's going to be a seventh head, a seventh satanic empire, and on that head are going to be ten crowns on the ten horns, and these will be ten kings. This great confederation of kings will come together. Now, I'll say it, I reckon, till I'm blue in the face. Everybody keeps talking about the revelation of the Antichrist, the Antichrist, the Antichrist. You will not see the revelation of the Antichrist until you first see this 10 king or slash kingdom federation come to fruition. You can't put the cart before the horse. And I hear all these jack legs, and that's what they are. They're absolute jack legs. I don't have any problem calling them that because that's exactly what they are. They're shysters, they're hucksters, they are imitators, and they make merchandise of the people of God. It's sad. But if you really want to get into the meat of Matthew 24, go back and listen to the series we did uh, probably a year or so ago. I don't know how many programs that uh, chapter had in it, but it had, I, I wouldn't be afraid to say, scores of programs exegeting Matthew chapter 24. And remember, the two significant points that Christ made, Matthew 24, 4, 5, he said, take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. Ask these hooligans, is Jesus the Christ? They'll say yes. But you see, they don't preach from the Word of God. They don't teach from the Word of God. They don't preach repentance. They don't preach against sin. They never mention sin because sin is offensive. And of course, as I mentioned last week, and I'll reiterate it again this week, Psalm 66, 18, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me when I pray. What does that mean? If you're living a life of sin, you can tell me all day long that you pray, but I'm telling you to your face, pointedly, candidly, God is not hearing your prayers because you're a hypocrite. Yes, I said a hypocrite. Proverbs 28, 13, he that covereth his sin... He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. You have to forsake your sin. If you don't forsake your sin, you're not serving God. You're serving the adversary. Well, I disagree with you on that. doesn't matter to me whether you agree with me or not. The Bible says emphatically in Matthew 6, 24, no man can serve two masters. You just can't do it. I know you're trying to do it. Some of you are shacking up. You're living with a woman. You're living with a man. Your heart is overwhelmingly convicted, but you'd rather gratify your flesh more than worship and serve the creator more than the creature. So you won't give up your sin. You stay in that morass of sin. Shacking up will take you to hell. Drunkenness will take you to hell. Fornication will take you to hell. Adultery will take you to hell. Sodomy will take you to hell. Same-sex marriage will take you to hell. You say, that's just too hard. 
But I'm here to tell you that's the pure, unadulterated truth. Well, I don't like that. That's why I don't like to listen to you. Listen, I'm not a politician. I'm not trying to get people to love me and like me. I'm not going to come here and waste my time and God's call and God's anointing on my life and lie to you about the Holy Writ. I'm just not going to do that. I'm going to give an account for these sermons I have expounded, whatever I've taught, my teachings, whatever. I'm going to give an account of that. And God will say to many men, had you preached against sin, that soul would not be in hell today. But you failed as a God-called minister to preach. Now, I will say this. A lot of these hooligans were never called to begin with. They're charlatans, they're pretenders, they are sly businessmen trying to shake the body of Christ down to make a dollar. I talked to a brother in California just the other day for over an hour. And Brother Tom, it wasn't you. (laughs) Another brother in California. He told me how much this ministry has affected his life relative to adultery, fornication, pornography, alcohol, and smoking dope. You see, I, I, I don't know who's listening, but the Holy Ghost knows how to get the right message to the people who really want God in their life. You've heard some of my testimony. Practice celibacy for four years. When I came out of sin in, in June the 6th, 1978, I quit everything. Of course, my biggest uh, impediment was, was my language. I, I cursed. And I would still get mad and say curse words. God didn't leave me. I worked on it and I worked on it. And we call that progressive sanctification. And I worked on it till I got to the place. I didn't curse anymore when I got mad. James said sweet and bitter water cannot come out of the same well. People say, well, I'm saved, but I still curse. There's something wrong in your life if that's the case. Why haven't you matured enough in Jesus that you've quit that mess? I quit it. I cursed all the time. I very, very rarely took God's name in vain. I knew how bad that was. James 3, verse 11, Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? (laughs) Can the same water hold? That's what the Greek says. Can the same water hold bring forth Sweet and bitter water. No, it can't. It just it just don't work like that. And how's it you, you you curse and swear one minute with your mouth and with your lips, and then the next day you're trying to praise and worship and magnify God with the same filthy mouth? I know I'm preaching to somebody today. That's good preaching, Brother Langford. Yes, sir. Praise God. Thank you for the compliment. That's genuine, bona fide, Holy Ghost preaching. You're not going to hear that today. Let me get back on the Antichrist. 
He's a little horn. He's going to come in subtly, like Genesis 3.1. And the serpent was more subtle than all the beasts of the field that the Lord God had made. Why? Because he's going to be of his father, the devil. Now, let me say this. Satan, excuse me, the Antichrist is not the personification, neither is he the embodiment of Satan. How do we know that? How can we be certain that what I just said was, is factual and scriptural? 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9, we're not there yet, but I'll quote it. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders, with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth. Are you willing today to receive and have a love for the truth? I have a dear friend who has squamous cell cancer in his nose. I haven't missed a day in praying for him when he conveyed it to me. But he thought his grandchildren broke his nose months ago, but his nose just started to bleeding all of a sudden. He thought it was the grandkids. So he didn't bother to go to the doctor, but then it just never seemingly would heal. And then he went to the doctor, and the doctor gave the, the bad news. I, I, I encourage you to pray for my, my brother. But see, that's what sin is, is like cancer. It doesn't know any boundaries. It'll just keep growing and taking territory until it utterly destroys. That's what the Antichrist does. He is after the working of Satan. He's not Satan. He's not the embodiment. He's not the personification of Satan. He is after the working of Satan. I, I, marvel, I marvel today that men fail to see the, 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 the elementary, the ele Mentary aspects of the Word of God, the simplicity of it, and they complicate it, they convolute it because they don't study. Now, they'll, they'll make you believe they study. And they'll give you, uh, they know more about secular history, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, than they know about the Word of God. I want to know about God's Word. Now, they talk about a one-world government the Antichrist is going to rule the whole world. That, too, is a fallacy. The Antichrist is not going to rule the entire world because the Bible teaches something different than that. I was sharing with someone, I believe it was Jordan in the office the other day. We were sitting here talking, and this was back in 1981, 82, 83. I had a dream. I had a dream, and America was in a very, very uh, tumultuous time. It was a time of turmoil. It was a time of chaos. It was a time of uncertainty. There was civil unrest. The economy was tanking. Things were ugly. Things were heinous. And I remember the president of the United States. Don't know who he was, I, but I did know in the dream he was the president. And he was talking 
on national television, like at his oval desk, and he's explaining the, 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 the problems. He's explaining the gravity of the situation, the peril of the hour. And then he says, I want to introduce to you a man that's going to resolve all of our problems. And as the camera went to pan toward the man, and I knew in my heart it was the Antichrist, my dream stopped. I never got to see the face of the man. Now, let me say this. Anybody that tells you they know who the Antichrist is, put a big X over their face and put a big X over their ministry because they're lying. Nobody knows who the Antichrist is. Nobody knows who he is. I just shared with you last week, it is a revelation. Verses 3, 6, and 8. It is a revelation, not to the world. The world cannot receive divine revelation. It is a revelation to the body of Christ, <clears throat> the Christians, the redeemed. Why? Because we're going to know the word and recognize the word when it comes to pass. That's how we're going to know. Now, as we enter into the time of the end, Daniel tells us in Daniel 11, verses 40 and 41, and at that time of the end, shall the king of the south push at him, and the king of the north shall come against him like a whirlwind with chariots and with horsemen and with many ships. And he shall enter into the countries and shall overflow and pass over. He shall enter also into the glorious land, that is Israel, and many countries shall be overthrown, but they shall escape out of his hand, or these shall escape out of his hand. Notice who escapes. Even Edom, Moab, and the chief of the children of Amnon. This speaks specifically of the land of Saudi Arabia. Look at your world map. Look at Israel. And then look at an Old Testament map. And look at Edom, Moab, and Amnon. They will flee to the southern part of the land of Saudi Arabia, even down to the United Arab Emirates, Qatar, and all of those places. But that's where Israel will flee. Now, the Antichrist is going to come in stealthily. He's going to manifest himself as a man of peace but he's really about war. But he's going to feign in the beginning of his reign, I'm a peaceful man. I desire peace. That's where and when you see the chicanery and the trickery. And we're told in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, but of the times and of the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. 
For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. You see, the Christian is to be able to look at everything that's taking place Look at it through the lens of God's holy word and know it's near. But of the times and of the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. For the Lord is going to come as a thief in the night. For when they, the world, they're going to say, peace. And safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child. Labor can hit a woman just like that. She can be carrying that child and everything's going hunky-dory. I remember when our, our first child, Terica, our oldest daughter, was born. My wife, Kim, was hanging wallpaper. It was uh, 5, 6 o'clock on a Monday afternoon, and bam, contraction, labor, pains hit. Went to the hospital. My daughter was born about 11 hours later, 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning. Sudden pain. Now, can I ask you a question? Everybody's saying, this is the time of the end. It's the time of the revelation of the Antichrist. Tell me who's crying peace and safety right now. Trump was going to bomb Iran, they said, weeks ago. Does that sound like peace and safety? When you take the scriptures and you rightly divide them, you come to understand Wait a minute. What these people are saying is not right. Matter of fact, most of these wannabe keyboard warriors are in bed with the liberal media because they are purveyors of the same thing. I'm wanting to have a, a conference in April or May. But I'm having to pray through this and be patient. What if they decree and declare a state-mandated mask? Everybody has to wear a mask. You see, this is the time we need to seek God and have divine wisdom. Wisdom. Man, do I ever pray for wisdom. As I said, the Antichrist comes in as a man of peace. Daniel 11, verse 21. And in his estate or in his office, he's going to be have an office bestowed upon him. And in his estate or his office shall stand up a vile, meaning a contemptible person, to whom they shall not give the honor or the grandeur or the excellency of the kingdom. But he shall come in peaceably, as in security, and obtain, the Hebrew says, to conquer the kingdom by flatteries, literally, the Hebrew says, by being smooth, smooth operator. 
Biden said Obama was black, clean, and could articulate very well. I know I've had people send me videos, Obama's the Antichrist, Barak Hussein, Barak means lightning, Luke 10, 18, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven, but you're decades behind, those of you who keep pushing that video. Ehud Barak was prime minister of Israel in the 90s, and I did the research back then and found out Barak means lightning. And then they want to put on that little video, Luke 10, 18, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. You're way behind. You're a quarter century behind. He comes in smooth, debonair, distinguished, eloquent. But, but I noticed something here. He comes in to this office and the Bible says he's a vile man, meaning very contemptible person. And initially, they do not give him the honor, the grandeur, the excellency of the kingdom. Now, there have been those who've pontificated the Secretary General of the United Nations will be the officer of the coming Antichrist. I don't know. I, I don't think that. I think you're going to see these 10 horns, these 10 kings be formed in the Middle East. And somebody over there will rise up as that purported man, like the king of Jordan. I'm not saying it's him. I don't know who it is. Nobody, nobody knows who the Antichrist is. Anybody that tells you that is just uh, blowing smoke. That's all, that's all I can say. But he comes on the scene. He appears to be a man of peace. That's what makes the people say in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 3, peace and safety, peace and safety. But when you start hearing peace and safety, then sudden destruction. This, this is all Bible. This is not conjecture. I'm giving you every Bible verse that I can relating to this scenario. I'm trying to give it all to you. Now, you can't understand the book of Revelation without understanding the book of Daniel. They, they, they are harmonious. They are, you might say, synoptic, synonymous, because they're inspired by the same author, Jesus Christ. Now, Revelation 17, verses 11 through 17, and the beast, the Antichrist that was and is not, even he is the eighth. Now remember, I'm going to stop right there. He's the eighth. What does that mean? Remember the seventh head on the dragon, this great beast. And on this last seventh world empire, you have 10 horns and you have 10 crowns. Out of that crown or, or, or crown of horns, horns and crowns, there'll be a little horn come up in the middle. He is the eighth. Now, why is he the eighth? Why isn't he the ninth or the 10th or the 11th? Eighth means new beginnings. 
So this is the beginning of the end. He is the eighth. He is of the seven and goeth into perdition or destruction. Now, I believe, spiritually speaking, genetically, he is connected to every past kingdom, Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Medo-Persian, Greece, Rome. John said there were five fallen and one is, and one is yet to come. Once this confederation, and it will not be a world empire because we just shared from Daniel 11 verses 40 and 41, how that the king of the south and the king of the north come against him. So he's he's not ruling the whole world. If he was, he would not have adversity. There were people who tried to take Hitler out that were of his regime. Different men. They knew what he was doing was evil. They tried to kill him. So let's go on. Revelation 17, 11, and the beast, the Antichrist, that was and is not, even he is the eighth, and it is of the seven, meaning I believe he's genetically, spiritually attached to all past satanic kingdoms. And he ultimately goes into what? Perdition or destruction. And the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings which have received no kingdom as yet. Now we, we are foretold We're foretold there is going to be a time when we're going to see 10 kingdoms. But Revelation 17 here says, these 10 kings which have received no kingdom as yet. Has anyone witnessed the 10 king federation? Anybody witnessed it yet? I haven't. You haven't. No one has. So what's the purpose of the revelation of the Antichrist now if there's no kingdom that's formed yet? Everything's going to happen on God's timetable, not man's. And I said this since I've been teaching this new series. Every generation tries to make Bible prophecy fit their time frame. We've all been guilty of it. As I said As I alluded to my grandparents, when they came out with the Social Security card and gave everybody a number, oh, my God, they cried out, that's the mark of the beast, the mark of the beast. So they put on all the Social Security cards for for tax purposes only, not for identification. Not for identification. Why? Because they thought it was the mark of the beast. That's been... Nearly a hundred years ago, folks, 90, 90 some years ago. So no one has witnessed this 10 king federation. And the Bible goes on to say here in Revelation 17, which have received no kingdom as of yet, but receive power as kings for one hour with the beast. That's not 60 minutes. That is a parenthetical time. And it's described as an hour. Um, That's what 
Jesus said to those when they came to arrest him in the garden, this is your hour and the power of darkness. It wasn't 60 minutes. It was uh, many hours of a heinous uh, trial, cruel mockings, uh, beating, uh, torture, all of these things. But it was not, as I said, 60 minutes. It was a parenthetical time. Matthew 22, 53, but this is your hour and the power of darkness. This will be, it was Satan's hour starting in the garden, the betrayal to Calvary. This is going to be Satan's hour, not just 60 minutes. It's a parenthetical time here in the end. They receive power as kings, one hour with the beast, these have one mind and shall give their power and strength unto the beast. So this 10 king federation, they, they, they give all of their authority and power to the Antichrist. These, talking about the 10 kings, shall make war with the lamb and the lamb shall overcome them for he is Lord of Lord and King of Kings and they that are with him, the redeemed of the Lord, are called and chosen and faithful. And he saith unto me, the waters which thou sawest, where the whore sitteth, are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. And the ten horns which thou sawest upon the beast, these shall hate the whore, and shall make her desolate and naked, and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. For God hath put it in their hearts to fulfill his will, and to agree, and give their kingdom, or their federation, unto the beast, the Antichrist, until the words of God shall be fulfilled. So who are these 10 kings? I cannot clearly and distinctly, succinctly tell you who they are. But this last move we saw in the Middle East with uh, Saudi Arabia, Cutter, these nations begin to make peace with Israel. I'm watching that closely because I can see that is the scenario I'm looking to happen, what we're now witnessing. Now, having said that, the first book I ever wrote, The Second Coming, A Second Look, I paid the Associated Press $75 for the photo with Bill Clinton. Remember, Bill Clinton had his arms around Yikshat Rabin Yasser Arafat there on the White House lawn. Yikshat Rabin, Yasser Arafat were shaking hands. Bill Clinton was putting his arms around both men. And what was he doing? He was confirming, or as the United States, he was strengthening their covenant. Bill Clinton and America didn't make a covenant with them. The covenant was between them. Bill Clinton just confirmed it. And that's Daniel 9 and 27. He shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. All this is laid out in the word of God. Now, I know people twist the scriptures and they say this and they say that, and they're, they're full of hyperbole and they, they want to be the first to get it right. So they falsely prophesy and falsely prophesy. Finally, they get a dart that hits the board and says, see, I'm a prophet of God. I got it right. 
but you already done missed a thousand of them. You're not a prophet, you're a wannabe. God hasn't shown you anything. You want people to believe he has. Therefore, you mislead people. And I'm telling you, I struggle with people who want to teach Bible prophecy, but always say at the end, we're not going to be here. What's the purpose of all this revelation if none of it is applicable to the church? What's the purpose of it? What, what good is it for God to give you all this great, unfathomable truth, but you're not here? You can't use it. In, an es in, in essence, it's worthless. What good is it? Well, because it's not worthless, it's for the church, the body of Christ, to recognize and to see all of these things. You know, I, I, I laugh at some of these great purported theologians. I just can't believe God would allow his church to go through great tribulation. Have you ever bothered to study how all the apostles died you ever bothered to read where Stephen was stoned? He's just a layman. He's not even a preacher. Have you not read the book of Acts where great persecution came upon the church? Peter was crucified upside down. I mean, so, well, you know, I've heard all the different dispensation. You know, somebody said to me some time ago about the thief on the cross. That was another dispensation. That was before Pentecost. Can I tell you, that was not a dispensation. Pentecost was a promise, not a dispensation. Uh, Luke 24, 49, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. It's not a dispensation. It is a promise. And the church, and I know I used to say it, but I was wrong on that. It was birth at Pentecost. This is he that was in the church in the wilderness. This is he that was in the church in the wilderness. How do you reconcile that verse? Because the word ecclesia means the called out ones. Do you think Israel was the called out ones? I do. I think they were the called out ones. Acts 7, 38, this is he that was in the church in the wilderness with the angel which spake to him in Mount Sinai and with our fathers who received the lively oracles to give unto us. The church. The early church in the book of Acts was... Judeo slash Christian. And God had not yet gone out to the Gentiles, but he was, he was headed in that direction. But remember, it was to the Jew first. Now, I know that upsets people. They get mad at me because I give them the Bible and they don't like that because that messes up their theology. But everything was to the Jew first. And you want to know why it was to the Jew first? Because of God's covenant with Abraham. 
So it was to the Jews first. Romans 1.16, my time is almost gone today. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Notice, to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first. What does that mean? Salvation was presented to them first. They rejected it. They scoffed at it. But it's always the Jew first. It's going to be the Jew first and and the tribulation period. All this is in your Bible. But you're listening to people who are misleading you. And they're telling you things that are just simply not Bible. They're just telling you things that are not in the Word of God. But it was always to the Jew first. It'll always be that way because that's the way God said it. That's the way God meant it. Romans 2.9, Tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil, of the Jew first and also of the Gentile. Jew first. Jew first. Make some of you mad. I'll even make you more mad. John 4, 22. Salvation is of the Jews. The Bible, we have the word of God because of the Jewish people, folks. We've been blessed through them. All those that are anti-Semitic, you may stay ignorant for so long, but you'll soon suffer for your ignorance. I'll see you tomorrow. Have a good evening in the Lord. The Voice of Evangelism with David Langford is brought to you by the faithful listeners and supporters throughout America. If you're looking for an uncompromising message, we invite you to tune in each week to The Voice of Evangelism. For more information, write to The Voice of Evangelism at P.O. Box 502, Kayser, North Carolina, 28020. That's P.O. Box 502, Kayser, North Carolina, 28020.